So, Philip, you're well, on the I, road. What's that? You're on the road. So I got a question for you. What's your favorite place to stop when you are traveling cross country? Do you have, like, is it Quick uh, Trip? Is it Wawa? Is it uh, Bucky's? I mean, what, or is well, it the Flying J? You know. Uh, now, I'll stop at any of them, but I got to say my favorite, hands down, no competition, is Bucky's. It's like you can even do you could get your exercise in there. They sell everything. But I will say today I stopped at Subway. Okay. And here's the here's the problem I have with Subway though. Every time I get a six inch, I mean a 12 inch, and I think I'll have the second half for dinner. Nope. I never you just do. eat it. And then they were like, Do you want to make it a meal? And I was like, Yeah, those cookies look good. And then they gave me two cookies. And then I was like, well, I'll eat those for dinner now that I had both sides of the sandwich. And then I was driving. I was like, well, those cookies do sound pretty good. So I happened to finish off the cookies as well. And now I've got, I have 10 more hours to think about what I've done. <laughs> East Lake Community Church is an intentional, multicultural community empowered by the Holy Spirit. We passionately pursue a loving relationship with God and everyone Jesus was sent to die for, here, near, and far. And, and you'll stop and get something else to eat in that time of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, what about you else. guys? What's your, what's your, what do you guys, what's your stop? Well, I'm going to go Bucky's, but that's regional because you can only get that in this corner. When it comes to going across the country from oh. To Shining Sea. Oh. It's going to be an unpopular one because you can find it all the way across. Okay. Super America. Oh. I've, I haven't been to many Super Americas. Because the drinks are 49 cents. Okay. Wow. <laughs> well, that'll keep you awake for a while. Yeah. I would prefer Bucky's or... Wawa or one of those, but I would prefer that. But they're mm. regional, so you can't get them everywhere. Okay. Yeah, mine is regional, but you know, mostly I'm going from here to Pennsylvania and back. So we wait to stop till we hit the first sheets. <laughs> I like uh, me some sheets. I've never yeah. even heard of sheets. I was going to say, uh, I've good. heard of it. Eh. They make Wawa look like Wawa, like yeah, they do. Yeah. They have great coffee um, and the Sheets brothers. Um, well, see, I used to call on them when I was in sales. And oh. so they're an independently owned company owned by the Sheets brothers. And, you know, they used to have their yearly sales event, not that far from where I lived in Pennsylvania. So, uh, Was this before or after the biker bars? Uh, yep, to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> they threw a good party. <laughs> so there you go. I don't know. It was Michelle's, life, Michelle's life is an, like an origin story from Marvel. You, know, <laughs> you, you have this superhero that you've become endeared to. And so then they make this, 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 this origin story where you find out how they got to be who they are. And like Michelle's story, the more we learn about it, it's like, man, she was in biker bars. She was on bikes. Yeah. 
She smoked two packs a day. I know. Oh, here we pack. go. Two pack. We call it two pack. Man. Anyway, Ooh. we were talking about places to stop while you're driving. Next, I feel like the next thing we find out is like she she was like a, you know, like a guest WWE wrestler or something. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, I never told you guys about that. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, you never know. We have some business to take care of here. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Let's oh, move yeah. on. We're, we're what are we doing here we're here for a podcast <laughs> yeah we're here for a podcast everybody this is season two <laughs> and i think we're in episode 11 but i'm not 100 percent sure does anybody know anymore season two i feel like we said 11 last week okay we might be in episode 12 we're in season two and we're doing a series right now in philippians called philippian the script Flipping the script. Flipping the script. Oh, just so you guys all know, our listeners know, it it definitely had to have crossed Ray's mind to do Philippian the script because Ray is Ray. It crossed my mind. And then I thought better of it. I think if we had just gone P-H-I, like flipping the script. Flipping. Oh, flipping. Yeah, I don't know. But this is a really uh, cool series. Rob taught this last Sunday. Um, What number? What what was your verse? Your passage number? Just because I'm in my car. Philippians 2, 1 through 18. There it was. Philippians 2, 1 through 18. Mm. But this, in case you guys missed it, this passage is incredible. It's just a very, very good read. Read it in the message. Read it in the CSB. Read it in the NIV. Read all the translations. It's got so much good stuff in it. Um, it. It's just really good. But yeah, did you guys, what you got? Did you guys have a favorite part or anything? <laughs> I can't say because that's cheating. So yeah, Rob can't. Well, Rob, I guess he did have a favorite part, surely. I enjoyed it. Right. You know, I like, I like the fact that Rob walked a very fine line. Um, between the tensions of current cultural things that we're coming up against. Whether yeah. it's the political discussion, whether it is the abortion discussion, um, whether it is the identity crisis that many youth are finding themselves in. He left us with mm. the challenge to do something that I think Jesus would have left us with the same challenge. And then in fact, he did, was to love them. Not judge them, right. but simply love them. And so for many of us, we have people in our families that we struggle to love. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, when you bring a multicultural, multi-ethnic church together, you will find differences. And so rather than allowing those differences to divide you, why not let them unite you, unite us, and the way in which that's done is through our walking with Christ and allowing his spirit to shape our hearts to love them better. So yeah. you don't love them better is by digging your heels in deeper into whatever it is that you believe or watching more of what you love to watch or listen to to affirm your beliefs. You 
you begin to love them better by seeing them the way that Christ does. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and for me, that tension was real because I'm, you know, as I'm walking into the weekend, I'm, I'm very aware of the news and, and the things that we've seen, uh, yeah. Wade, um, conflict in Ukraine, and even some of the battles that are taking place on that front, you know, in the political realms, the um, LGBTQ conversation that continues to rage in our nation, um, trying to figure out how to walk those lines politically, and I'm talking politically. Um, and, you know, as I was thinking about it, I'm like, what if everyone who calls themselves a follower of Christ, and friends, I, I, I hate to tell you, but there are people on both sides that would call themselves pro-life and pro-choice that are disciples of Jesus. And I know that some of us don't understand how they could be the other. But if we figured out how to love the person on the other side, whether they're Christian or not, wouldn't we have more of a chance to have a real genuine relationship building type conversation than screaming across a platform at each other? You know, and that goes across all of those lines, you know, in families, in neighborhoods, in workplaces. We have to love the person that stands exactly opposite of us. Simply because Jesus loved us while we were directly opposite, opposed to him. It says actually in Romans, while we were enemies of God, he brought peace between us and God. Yeah. Yep. The tension's real, though. It's it's a little scary when you're standing up there holding that tension in your hand, and realizing that even when you're just making a casual mention, and it was casual, it, it wasn't a big focus of my sermon, in terms of the specific issues, but you had to name the issues to talk about how love is hard sometimes. You know, you're holding on to two hand grenades. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. What What do you um? One of the things that I I struggle with still is this tension of feeling the the need to kind of toe the line of like what I feel is right, but also being called to love and to accept everybody. And and I feel like this is a really, really big thing that everybody experiences right now. You know, they have their personal convictions. And they feel the need to uh, evangelize their personal convictions or make other people aware of their personal convictions. And by the way, they feel those convictions are faith-based, are scripturally based. Mm -hmm. But yet at the same time, to like also be loving people. And, and like, how do we toe that line? How do we walk that line? Because I feel like everybody's trying to do that and nobody feels good at it. Or I don't feel good at it. In Every Man a Warrior, um, I forget which book it is, but it might be book four. It talks about, yeah, it's book four, where it reemphasizes over and over and over throughout the book is that we have to become skilled at preaching the gospel to ourselves. Ah. And, and the reason why that's important is because it helps to keep us grounded in the reality of how far we were. And at some, in some senses, still are from uh, living a perfect lifestyle. And so when we preach the gospel to ourselves, we're reminding ourselves of what Jesus did for us and why we still need Jesus. And so when we preach the gospel to ourselves, we, we 
we uh, assume a posture of humility, that the person standing across from us, while they might be a believer, they might be at a different stage in their development than you are. Mm -hmm. And so no one comes to Christ a finished product. No one accepts Christ and becomes a finished product. We're all in process. And so when, when we realize that and we're preaching the gospel to ourselves daily, then that helps us to approach the other, whomever that is, with a, a base of humility and grace. Yeah, and I think, uh, oh, go ahead, Michelle. I'd rather hear from you. I, I was just thinking that, you know, it's really important um, if you have something that is a highly held value and it's hard for you to believe that another person who follows Christ the way you do um, could hold the opposite stance. It is really important to separate the person from the thing that you're talking about, okay? And not say, okay, the value of this person is based on what they believe about this subject. Um, because all of us change and our opinions change, maybe not 100% to the opposite side, but are nuanced over time. And so you've got to look at people as people, not as, okay, this person has this label. Mm -hmm. um, because when we look at people like they are the label of what we think is wrong with the world, then we cease to see them as a human. And that's a problem because where that takes us is not a good place yeah it's like it's like i've said in multiple venues in, in my time here and and other there's no monsters at the table so stop acting like that's a monster you know and what did jesus do what do we see in philippians 2 5 through 11 we see him setting aside heaven and god's perfect perfect location meaning if there's anyone that understands total holiness it is jesus yeah yet he modeled for us sacrificing for a totally unholy group of people, which was us. So if there's anyone, and, and let me be really clear about this. Jesus had the right to cast and judge, cast judgment and punishment on everyone he encountered. He could have done so. He would have been well within his purview. He would have not been stepping out of character or out of bounds. And that person that had the right, the only one, chose to look across the the chasm of sinfulness and extend grace what are we doing what are we hey you said he did he still does well, yes well yes thank you he still does <clears throat> but i'm talking about what yes totally good he still does but we have proof that when he was here he did it too because you can make the argument well now he's back in heaven so he's doing it from heaven he did it when he was physically human yeah. and we try to hold on to all the things that we've mentioned democrat republican this that other side this side women in ministry women not in ministry, and we hold on to that and we make these huge judgments across those divides that are ridiculous we shouldn't even make judgment we can't make judgment to someone that rejects that jesus is who he says he is we can be right in saying that they're wrong we know Jesus is who he says he is, but he's the only one that can judge them. So why don't we love them so that their experience is a loving God because we claim to represent that God so that they can make their ultimate decision. 
because it's on them by the power of the spirit to decide to respond to Jesus and not us. Yeah, that's really true. I, I, I don't know about you guys. I've grown up with a lot of really neat churches. I mean, one of the church that I grew up in high school, middle school was really incredible. I had an amazing mentor you know, I went to college and was involved in multiple Bible studies. I led worship for some some like college Bible studies, one at Texas Tech and um, just different things. So I've been a part of a lot of different Bible studies and I'm not pinpointing any one place for receiving this theology or this this idea, but somewhere along the way, I developed this idea that if you're not just like me, you're backsliding Christian. You're kind of like, oh, oh, I heard, I heard Rob was, you know, out at that rated R movie last night, you know, and then, you know, like, it's almost like Rob's on the prayer list, <laughs> but I don't know where I picked that up or if I did that myself or, or what, but all I know is that's kind of been ingrained in me. And what I'm trying to loosen up is this rope that I've put on everybody else in my life or everybody within my sphere of influence that, that if they're not doing what I'm doing, oh, put them on the prayer list. You know, they, they better, you know, and I, it sounds funny to say, but it never really looks at me and says, well, well wait, well, wait, Philip, what about what you're doing? You know, like, well, let's worry about you. And so my, my mindset is changing and I'm in process with that. I mean, I feel like I'm doing really well at that and I've grown lately over the past few years, but I would be willing to bet that a good portion of our church members feel that same feeling. I don't know. Do you, does you guys relate to that? So Philip, you made me, your, your, your testimony just now made me think of something that, that was about me that was off kilter. So for instance, and, 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 and I think we all have one of these. So Philip, thank you for sharing and opening this box. What is something that you used to hold to that you no longer hold to because the spirit of God has totally changed your view on it? So I'll give mine since Philip already gave his. I remember saying to a guy uh, that a new version of the Bible had come out. And he brought it to me. It was an older gentleman. He was in his 60s. And he said, Ray, I just got this new Bible. I won't name the Bible. But he said, I think it's a pretty good Bible. And I said, is it King James? And he said, no. I said, so why in heaven would you ever buy another Bible that wasn't a King James Version Bible? That is the Bible that we're supposed to study and read from. Everything else is, is just ridiculous. I know he looked at me like, oh, you young, pure, you, you young, misguided soul. Yeah. But now, oh, man, I have so many different versions of the Bible. I mean, Amplify, NIV, ESV, CSB, NLT, T, NET, you know, I, <clears throat> I just want the word. I'll see, I'm kidding. I'm just... <laughs> That's so good, Ray. So, Rob and Michelle, what about you? What is something that the Holy Spirit has changed in you that you used to hold so firmly true that you thought it was God's way and will? Uh, I think, I, I don't know if it's a specific stance, but I, I thought that it was my job if somebody was not 
interpreting something correctly, was not believing the Bible, was not like that it was my job to advocate for the right way to view it. And so on any given subject, I thought that it was my job, like I couldn't let somebody say something that I disagreed with and let it lay there and just be like, well, how did you come to that conclusion? Or how, you know, ask the kinds of questions I would ask today. I immediately got on the defensive to try Ooh. and convince you that whatever we were talking about, um, that you needed to come over to my way of thinking. And I can say that the Holy Spirit convicted me of that. And I almost never do that anymore. Um, I really try to listen well. I try to ask questions. I try to see things from the other person's perspective. Um, and sometimes if I talk long enough with somebody, there's an opportunity for me to share um, a different view than they might have, but I've earned the right to do that by listening and loving and not taking that defensive posture. I really thought that was my job. Oh, okay. I've been praying through how to say this one. It's going to be misheard. So I'm going to try to say uh -oh. it as I can. When I first became a Christian, I was immediately discipled into the idea that God himself registered the first American voter and the first American Republican voter and declared that that shall be the way it shall always be. Um, now, I'm not going to say where I stand on anything politically right now, because that's not what this is about. But I was really, really, really early on vehemently conservative in every sense of the word. I still am pretty theologically conservative. So that's where I want to stay conservative, because I want to be true to the word. I want to stay close to it. But I had to really come to terms with the fact, this is why I share it so openly on stage, that God loves every side of every issue. And God did not ordain one party or one group to be the such and such of any nation on this planet, much less the United States, which I had gotten stuck in early on thinking that God actually left. Um, Jesus, when he left, he, he made a pit stop to declare that Washington, D.C. was the next great nation on the, on the planet. <laughs> I love America. I love my country. I'm patriotic. But I do not subscribe to the idea that there is one way of voting. To be uh, so, Rob, you know, that's, are, you, are you saying that the Ark of the Covenant is not being kept by one particular party? No, it is not. It is not in, in the basement of the Washington Monument, as I suspected at one time. Oh, that's funny. So this brings up something. I mean, because I was a big Peter Marshall fan. I mean, I've still got the light and the glory down on my, on, uh, you know, in, in my library. And I, I was reading. Get it in a box, in a box. Okay. Mine's not even in a box. Mine's out on the shelf. But, um, but, you know, I told you I was reading through my journals to look for a story for my message on Sunday. Yeah. And I wrote in my journal in like 1992 um, that I believed that America was called to be a Christian nation like Israel. I mean, I wrote that in my journal. I was praying for our nation. I was praying for what was happening in our nation. And I legitimately believed that America was the next Israel. That's basically what I was saying, because that's what got really yeah. drilled in me immediately. Yeah. On my conversion. So, 
Yeah. It's wild. And again, please hear me. I think there's great people on every side and I honor and admire many great patriots in our country and people that have done all they can to ensure that America stays free. And I, I'm, on the, I'm on that side, but that side isn't what we think it is. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. You can email Ray, he asked the question. That's right. <laughs> He'll forward it to me. Yeah. Forward it. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't even, I mean, and you guys know me, man. I'm, I'm the most like free spirited person probably on staff, you know, I mean, other than Michelle after hearing her history, but, <laughs> <laughs> but believe it or not, up until, up until about age 30, I mean, I was in, I was pretty, I was pretty hardcore, you know, uh, don't cuss, don't drink, don't chew, don't hang with people who do. Isn't that what your mom says or moms right. are supposed to say? But one of the things that I've really enjoyed too is in South Carolina, I feel like I've had a lot of opportunities to meet people in the community and get to know people that not all of them go to East Lake, And, and I'm really enjoying seeing just the awesome spirits of people and people who follow Jesus closely that that don't go to East Lake maybe, you know, and that's another thing that I've grown up is like people who don't go to our church, like they must not, you know, you know, you just kind of think, well, our church is the only church even like nobody says that, but somehow that gets ingrained into us. And, you know, you meet people in life and you're like, oh, you're, you love Jesus like, like crazy. Oh, and you go to, uh, you know, you go to a different church. What? <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know, Philip. I've heard it preached from the pulpit. You have? I've been, oh, yeah. And yeah. I might have. Uh, I, don't re- I don't remember. I just know that I felt that way. Um, yeah. And you feel like your church is the best church. And, you know, and it's like, no, it's not. We're all a little bit of a mess. Oh. You know, when I was in Vermont, we had to navigate something tricky because there were all these established churches, and I was part of one of those who'd been around about 30 years, 40 years. Um, some had been around 200 years, so they were the ones that could have told wow. us to go home, sit down, and shut yeah. up. But um, the Southern Baptists began a movement hmm. in New England to plant more churches in New England, okay? Hmm. And, and, and we had a meeting of the pastors in our county. Seriously, I got called, asked them if I wanted to come to a meeting. And it was how to stop them from planting churches because they were encroaching on the ground of the churches that had been working hard. And it was at the center of it is exactly what you're saying right now, Philip. And I remember standing in that room and saying, wait a minute, are we reaching everyone yet? Because if, if everyone in our county is in one of these churches, I support you. We're done. We don't need any more churches. We're fine. But show me that. And it was yeah. like staring at me, but at the core was a fear that this new group of people were coming. And never mind, it was local people who had gone off, got some training, and were coming back to try to plant churches in New England. They were New Englanders um, mm-hmm. to try to reach more people in the least religious corner of the two corners. The top corners are the two least religious corners of the country, meaning the mm-hmm. less church. We need more churches mm-hmm. so that people can find one that they feel comfortable in. But there was yeah. this fear that we were gonna we were gonna somehow dilute the giving base is where we're gonna go. Let's just be honest. 
Um, <laughs> but we, but at the core, I was hearing now this didn't happen in our church. Our church was one of the ones that was supporting, and we actually supported a church plant. There was a couple other partner churches that did that too. But what we were hearing from other pastors from their pulpits was our church is the church. Mm-hmm. And it broke my heart. But then I realized they're human and they're and they're scared because they're wondering what they haven't been doing well. So we began praying for them that God would reveal to them, you know, okay, I've got a field for you. You're just trying to look at other people's fields. Just go to your field. Mm-hmm. But was that fear? But back to Philippians 2. What would Jesus say about all that? Okay. Keep on keeping on and submit to each other so that mm-hmm. all of his bride is a success. Yeah. If the church is not the bride of Christ, he will take care of making sure those doors close. Mm-hmm. I'm not advocating for churches to close. I'm not saying, well, I don't have a list of why I think that is because I don't operate like that. But if a church is truly going against the kingdom, I think God's got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How does this, uh, this kind of, it's not a left turn in my mind, but it might feel this way. I mean, how does this translate into doing mission work in other countries and different things, you know, in that our way is the best way, you know, like my way is, you know, or the way that Eastlake does it is the way that they should do it in Rwanda or the way Eastlake does it is how they should do it in Belize. I mean, I know the answer to this, but I would love for you guys to discuss this because not everybody understands this. A lot of people feel like the best thing we can do is create another Eastlake in India. You know, a lot of people think that way, like maybe even the majority. (laughs) One day we will do missions in a way that literally honors God and the people that he has placed there. Mm -hmm. Um, We need to we, we, we need to turn it all the way down on the belief that we are about to bring God to a region. Yep. Remember, he is ever present. He's already been at work and is at work, even in the places that are currently termed unreached people group. He is in their midst. And it's, it's our privilege to go to said places, learn from the people and the culture and wait for him to show us how to introduce Jesus to them. Instead of, okay, we're on this side of the pond, we got all of the stuff and the resources and we're gonna go to that country and we're gonna save them. Yeah. That's not going to work, and it hasn't been working. I'm really curious, um, Rob, you were in seminary before I was in seminary. Um, But in our missions classes at CIU, they're very aware of um, that bias that we have had coming from North America, going into other places, um, that maybe we needed to learn more about those cultures before we went in there. Um, but I'm curious, when you were in seminary, what was the stance um, well, then in your missions classes? Good. I was fortunately at a very practical seminary. So 
I'm coming from, Moody has always been on the cutting edge of practice, not just theory. So mm -hmm. I will say that mine was probably a little ahead of the curve based on some of the friends that I've talked to that were in either a little before me or at the same time I was in Moody. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Moody, we were really taught become a learner before you do anything because that was ba the basis of everything we did there. Um, mm -hmm. you know, Dr. Thrasher, Dr. Feuder, um, you know, my, my missions professor, um, they all were very serious about you better go in as a learner and you better go in and hear from them first mm -hmm. and foremost. Now, I have some friends that will tell you they were trained to bring the program and put the box over the top of the, of the um, and I'm only speaking to things that people shared with me. I'm not saying that they all did this, but there was this thinking at least where some of my friends went, I won't name those seminaries, um, where it was bring the box, set it over, and if it doesn't fit, those people don't want Jesus. You know, and, and, and I prefer that the biblical model, you know, like perspectives unfolds for you mm -hmm. and others, um, that my job is to figure out where God's at work, like Ray just said, and then plug in, you know, it's like people have been saying to me for years, you know, we got to put God back in the schools. And I'm like, dude, he never left. He's been so active in those schools that it's unbelievable. It just looks different. If anything, I think he's been more active. And because you can't just pretend like he's being active. You got to see what he's really doing. It's the same thing with any place you go in his creation. He's already working. So I was taught, thank the Lord. I was in an environment where if I had tried to say, let's go in and do it our way, they would have said, well, you failed the class. Because, you yeah. know, God called us to be students of the culture. And again, just for relevance, what did he do? His mission trip to earth, it's called the incarnation. And he came. And he lived in the traditions, he lived in the culture, he lived in the environment, and he reached his creation. Yeah, so, uh, you know, to circle back, Philip, I think it's going to take a generation, you know, let's say Rob, when he was in seminary, was at the front end of those things being taught in that way. I think it's going to take a new generation of people who have been educated not necessarily at seminary but maybe in their churches or reading or however um that there's a different way to do things that will win people yeah and jesus god incarnated himself mm -hmm. into this world and we expect to get on a plane however we choose to get there and parachute into a culture without incarnating ourselves into Correct. that culture. Correct. And wondering why they're not accepting or receiving our Jesus, our version of Jesus. We don't take time. You know, I'm, I'm gonna give this person some props. We, we normally don't do this, but I'm gonna tell you something about Scott Compton, what I learned about him when i first came to east lake and they were going to rwanda and it was my responsibility to go on these trips as we were preparing to go to rwanda i'm sitting across from this man who has a whole binder like michelle had when she talked about it during last last christmas season when she brought out her binder this man has a binder that he has put together 
about the culture of Rwandans mm -hmm. with short wow. phrases. He is trying to learn the language. He is doing everything a true disciple of Christ should do when it comes to trying to incarnate oneself into a foreign culture. Crazy. And mind you, Rwanda is a Christian nation by far. But he values their culture enough to yep. learn it. Yep. And get this, he don't live in Rwanda. He's visiting. Yep. When was the last time you went on a trip, a, a, a missions trip, where you were reading and studying their culture mm. and their language enough that you could say, hello, where's a good place I can get some good food? How are you doing before you went on a trip? Jesus learned cool. our culture. Mm -hmm. And then it, after 30, he decides, okay, now it's time. Yeah, thank you for saying that, Ray. Jesus, creator of the universe. <laughs> Crazy, come on, Rob. Under the radar. I mean, yeah, we see him at 12, we see him at birth, we see him at 12. Then we don't see him for 28 years. <laughs> 28 years. He's just living. He's living amongst the people. He's realizing what it's like to be to be let down, to be happy, to be sad, to do all of it. And then, Earning he, speaks respect. Up, and then he speaks up again. Mm -hmm. So goes, Jesus was about 30 for 20 years. Yeah. So I was just thinking, I guess because he's the son of God, that's why he didn't have to do 40 years on the backside of the desert like Moses. <laughs> he, right. He, he did 40 days. By comparison. <laughs> it's so true. You know, it's like when we take the time and now let's, mm. I love that you asked it about missions, but I want to move it away from missions and I want to go to walk out your front door and look to the right, look to the left, look across the street. And you do the same thing. You figure out what your neighbors believe, how they live, not to change them, but to change you mm -hmm. so that you can figure out how to interact with them on a, on a level that they understand, on a level that language that they speak. It could be another language, frankly, but maybe it's not. Mm -hmm. Are you doing it there? Because that's how you do it. And then, and then that'll change missions and churches feeling like they're in competition with each other and all that. When, when we're worried more about loving the person next door across the straight diagonal up the road, that's when all the rest of it changes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Seeing your neighbor and learning from, it'll help you understand why they do what they do. I mean, how many people look at their neighbors and shake their head? Like, what are they doing? You know, I mean, for instance, I, this is kind of funny, but whenever I moved to California, I had moved from Birmingham um Birmingham it rains all the time there's grass there's snakes it's like South Carolina there's bugs there's all these different things you know and so I move over there to California with like giant leaf blowers you know my house had giant trees in B Birmingham and and like gas powered everything you know and like the biggest things they sell at Home Depot I had one of each right and I moved to California I remember that first summer 
going out to mow my lawn is like, vroom, you know, everything's running on diesel practically. But in California, everybody's so environmentally conscious. <clears throat> There's so many people living there. It, you know, they're moving to so many things that are electric. And, and I'm not saying that we all need to move to electric car. This is not a political statement. I'm just saying culturally, my neighbors, if they just look at me out there with my backpack blower, the size of like, you know, industrial strength. Johnny Rocket. Yeah, I'm looking like Johnny Rocket. They're probably looking at me like, who is this dude? Who is this new neighbor? But as here. to get to know me, they realize, oh, he's from the South. He'll learn in a few months. He doesn't need all that stuff. It won't rain for three years. <laughs> dude, you're not all wrong. he needs to do is make sure his rocks are in place. <laughs> when we moved to Washington State, it rains every day. But I couldn't figure out why nobody had a gas mower. And I, I never got used to the idea of the electric mower because I felt like I wasn't doing anything because it was so quiet and it was just, <laughs> but you're right. The first time I got out there and I pulled that mower out, neighbors are looking at me like, what you got over there? You really do have to look at your neighbors. Maybe there's some something that you guys listening to this know that kind of frustrates you about the people who live around you. Instead of being frustrated, maybe figure out why. Why did they do that? You know, my dad, I was just visiting my parents. He has a random green light in his backyard. You know, people have their uh, porch lights. Well, his backyard one is green. That's very different. That's an interesting thing to do. But you know what? I was in the house last night because I just visited him. And I looked out over the backyard and the green light was on. I was like, the, the lawn sure does look green. You know, like maybe he just likes it like that. You know, but the neighbors, you know... These are really casual things to joke about, but there's real things that we get frustrated with people in life about. And the, the point remains that you got to figure out why they do what they do. Understand why, you know, that that teenage girl just got pregnant again, you know, and I can't believe she got pregnant again. What's she doing? Or the things that make you, you know, well, maybe figure out why did she do that? Why is she in that situation? Why did, you know, and your heart might, instead of being angry, your heart might break. Yeah. And you shift to compassion. You know, I want to say this before we get off of here, before we go to something else. Because, Philip, you made me think of this. I want to thank every person on this podcast listening now, tonight, or whenever for your grace. I'm wearing a shirt today. Grace. Towards me with moving to the South because it was a culture shock that I was not prepared for. God didn't say, hey, Ray, um, you go, I need you to read up everything on the South before I send you there. No, he said, you're going to the South and that's what it is. And so <laughs> you guys had to put up with a lot of my bemoaning of the weather and the bugs and the fact that I think this place is really Jurassic Park <laughs> and my, 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 my wanting of snow all of that, you've given me grace. And I, I really, I do. I thank you for that. So just, just let's keep one thing clear. I am not a Northerner. Geographically, <laughs> I am from the Midwest. So oh. I am a Midwesterner. That's right. What's up, June? A creepy person over my shoulder. <laughs> Hi, June. <laughs> I said, come on over here. Hey, June. <laughs> I'll make a big deal out of it. <laughs> 
you know what, Ray? I, I want to stand with you that I am a northern um, who married a southerner, and 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 I am going to say this: I will never apologize for wishing it was colder here. So, but I accept it. But I accept it. Just I didn't say you did, by the way, Ray. I'm just going to say I, I'm still praying that the Lord makes it colder in South Carolina forever. I'm sorry, y'all can y'all can start your imprecatory prayers. Um, that's all I'm saying. It's going to be 90s all week next week, man. I know. You're going to see me out there in a floaty in the middle of Lake Murray in a little sail <sighs> holding an umbrella. Yeah. Well, this is good. Did you guys have any other thoughts or questions or anything you wanted to bring up? Nope. On this topic? All right. Well, I'm, I'm halfway, just so you guys know, watching, I am... Uh, I don't know if you can see the signs, but I am almost to Vicksburg, which is the Mississippi River, coming back from a great visit with my family and being with them, loved ones, and uh, I will be back home possibly tonight. So uh, this podcast is on Thursday for that reason, because I got to get home and edit it. But um, we love all of you. Is there any announcements you guys needed to say or anything you wanted to update the church on? I guess I, I would just like to mention that we have Summer Rama coming up the first four Wednesdays in June. And what Summer Rama is, is our version of VBS spread out over four weeks on Wednesday nights. So just go online after this Sunday. The link will be live for you to sign up your child. But even if you didn't sign up your child, you can still show up. We just want to get an idea who's coming. So make sure you, Laura's been working hard. It'll be pretty awesome stuff. And don't forget to sign up for whitewater rafting. Let's fill that trip up. 12-year-olds and up. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Yep. And then uh, there's, I know there's a meeting for with India Gospel League in between services this Sunday. That's 10 um, o'clock this coming Sunday. Rebecca Stevens, the daughter of Sam Stevens from India Gospel League, will be at both of our services to basically say thank you, Eastlake for being a part of a movement of planting churches in the places where the gospel was not in India. And so uh, she wants to have a meeting, um, a, a little short 45 minutes, 50 minute uh, meeting between services on Sunday with anybody that's interested in being a part of the 2023 trip to India. So I hope to see you there. You can go online and sign up just to let us know that you're interested on our events page. And uh, I look forward to seeing you all this Sunday. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Anything yeah. else? That's it. Travel safe there, Philip. Yeah. Drive safe. Yes, yeah. Philip. We're praying for you, brother. You guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'll tell you my horror story when I get back of this 18-wheeler that nearly took me out. Okay. Yeah, I shouldn't tell you that right now. My mom will get nervous because she watches this. Well, you'll <laughs> be home before then. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. Say. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll just say a truck loaded down with wood took a sharp turn way too fast and his trailer skid sideways to me who was oncoming and it almost hit me and I swerved barely stayed on the road and missed it. So by the grace of God, I still Thank stand Jesus. in my swagger wagon. Yeah. Swagger wagon. Yes. Lake Community Church is an intentional, multicultural community empowered by the Holy Spirit. We passionately pursue a loving relationship with God and everyone Jesus was sent to die for, here, near, and far.